kind of guy who got literally if my sister brought him home I'd be terrified <laughs> but he- but- Welcome back to the Irish Bears show. It's really good to be back and to be able to talk Bears. It was a long L day yesterday. No, we got to, we did a pregame, got to watch the Bears, did a postgame, kind of got to vent out a little bit, then got to go back and actually kind of watch back. Because I always say this, it's so difficult right after a game to get everything because you're so focused on what happens in the play and you're not actually looking at everything. And uh, it's always good to be able to come on the day after have a little bit of a, a calm down and say what we've really learned from whether it's a win, whether it's a loss. We have yourself, Noel, and Seth is joining us today as well. I'm going to start with yourself, Noel. How are you doing? Good, good. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting you say that. So I've been thinking that myself today. I mean, look, we're two and one. The Bears won last night. And I feel like even on myself, I was a little negative on the show last night. You know, as you say, coming straight out of the game, obviously certain players are considered our big players that we're invested in. And when things don't go right, we kind of focused on that. But at the end of the day, as you say, calm heads prevail. And you, you think about it, the fact of the matter is the Bears are two and one. Um, you know, there were a lot of positives last night in, in a number of different positions. And yeah, it's, it's nice now to be able, 24 hours removed, just to be able to come in, sit down and actually chat about all the good things as well that happened last night. And look, you, you have to cover everything. You know, you can't cherry put a cherry on top of everything. There are certain issues, but that's fine. But uh, it's just nice to say two and one and yeah, it's still in there, you know. So who knows how the rest of the season goes. Yeah, and look, it's always important to be able to do this when the Bears win. <laughs> it's always nicer. Uh, I always say, look, it's hard to win in this league, so enjoy it while you get it. Look, it's great to have Seth with us today. For anybody that does not know, Seth pumps out so many articles that are on our website right now at the IrishBearsNetwork.com. And look, I always like getting Seth on because, again, very in terms of the analysis that we're able to do, it's always good to be able to talk to you. Um, First of all, before we get into it, how are you doing after a turbulent Sunday, as we'll say? Uh, doing great. Um, you know, like like you said, um, it, we're two and one in games that we didn't play well, and I'll take that because if you can win the ugly games, the, I mean, those are some of the most important ones. If you can win ugly, you know, can't wait to see what this team does when they're, when they're playing well. Yeah, absolutely. And look, with that, we're going to get started on kind of, we always do this, our kind of five things that we learned from the Bears' victory or loss. And this week, thank God, it's a victory. So we, we can talk about that. Last week, it was tough when it was a loss. But look, let's let's start with the first point here. 
and it is the regression of Justin Fields. This has been something that has been going all over social media over the last kind of 24 hours. And look, we spoke about it in length on our show yesterday for anybody that didn't check that out on the post game. Go back, check it out. I think we spent like 40 or so minutes talking about Justin Fields. So we went deep into it. But I think it is important because it's probably the key takeaway. When you look at what happened, this was a defense that you would have expected that the Bears should have been able to put up kind of yardage against, which they were able to do on the ground. But the passing game, again, struggled. Now I'm going to start with you. 24 hours after we kind of dissect everything that happened, what is your opinion of what has gone wrong for Justin Fields? And is this genuine regression from what we saw last year under Matt Nagy to right now? Look, there's no way to, to hide it. Like there does appear to be a regression from last season in the way he's playing. But look, we know he's talented. We know he's physically, you know, ready for this for the NFL. We know he he has the throws in him. A lot of this just feels mental like he's in his own head in a way maybe he's questioning things he's he's not you know he's not taking shots when maybe he he might have even last season and and it's that's kind of in a way that can be worse than everything else because he needs to be ready for, for this i mean i think there has been a lot made today and i think there was a post i saw today obviously yourself care from the main show that pointed out it's okay to say justin fields hasn't played well this season and still think he can be the guy going forward and that's exactly where i am i don't know exactly what the reasons are i don't know is it all on him is there anything to do with new coaching is it because there's a new scheme and he's learning new footwork and he's you know there's a lot going into he's not just going from one season to another he is changing parts of his game to suit this new scheme what this new coaching staff want so there's, there's probably like anything there's no one straight answer there's probably lots of different things that are, are kind of coming into this we've we've a coaching staff who are inexperienced you know in terms of call playing calling plays and and working as an offensive coordinator you know, everything comes to go, time, kind of comes together. But he's a young player. He is a talented player. I mean, there's I've seen a lot of, you know, trade him. He's he's a bust. He's that. That's, I, I can't get on board with that. Like, we just need to, to hope that our coaching staff can work with him, help him deal with whatever it is that's going through his head. Because we talked about it a lot last night. He didn't look comfortable when he was sitting on the sideline. He looked like he, he didn't know what was going on. And they just need to calm him down. You know, Tony made a lot of points yesterday. Maybe they need to just bring things back a bit for him and make it a bit easier just to start getting completions, just to start building up confidence. Um, so, yeah, I don't know exactly what's wrong. There's probably a mixed match of things gone in there. But going forward, he is still a player that has a chance to be a really good quarterback and to be our quarterback. And it's, it's way, way too early to be giving up or to be talking about trading or... Now, could he end up not being that guy? Of course he could. But three games into this season isn't the time to be making that decision. You know, there's a long, long way to go, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was a tough game for Justin. But look, a lot of these guys have tough games. I think one of the commenters actually makes a really good point. And um, he said, I watched a Hall of Fame quarterback last night in Denver suffering the same symptoms as Justin in the exact same offense. It takes time. Yeah, completely agree. It does take time. And the, the problem is when it comes to this, it's always what have you done for me lately type thing. Um, and unfortunately, the last game that we get to see and the last couple of games here haven't been very productive for 
for Justin. Hopefully he's able to turn it around. But the other thing that I've I've tried to put out there, and I, I wanted to see this from both ends, to where it's okay to say Justin has been terrible the first couple of weeks because it's true. He has been. He's missed open receivers. Look, his legs have kind of saved them in certain spaces. There's some of his raw athletic ability in week one, getting that ball out to Dante Pettis has saved him and basically probably won us that first game. So, like, you can give him props there. You can also say he's been really, really bad in some of the games as well. But then at the same time realize the season isn't three games long. It's 17. If after 17 games you're feeling the same way about Justin Fields, it's very likely that he won't be here. Now, if he develops over this year, it's a much better scenario. And look, we, we will talk about that as well, but it is a better scenario for the Bears, for Fields, that if he's able to develop this year and you feel a little bit confident in him because you don't want to have to be going into another draft looking for another quarterback. That's just not a good place to be, especially that's not the trajectory that this team was hoping that they were going to be on. So, Seth, I'm going to let you talk a little bit about here in terms of what you've seen from Justin Fields. Yeah, I, you see some of the plays he makes, the the exciting ones, and then we have follow it up with something ridiculous, and it, it just kind of drives you nuts because you see the arm talent. You see you know, when things are going right. You see the decision-making can be there, and, and that's what leaves you scratching your head the most. He just kind of seems jumpy in the pocket and almost like he's not trusting what he's seeing, like, especially after last year. Maybe there is an element of, am I really seeing it this wide open or am I being baited? And he is so maybe right now focused on not making mistakes that he's holding back some of those throws. Those are some of the little things that I had to take a step back after that loss and and go through and like kind of look at it objectively. It's like, you know, yes, he's making bad decisions, but maybe the previous things have really contributed to that, you know, he didn't have a great offensive line last year. He's had a relatively good one this year, and maybe he's seen ghosts when he shouldn't. You know, it's a, a common thing that happens sometimes after you've been kind of shell-shocked and rocked around for a whole year, and that's something we do have to consider. It's not that the offensive line is bad, but previous play was bad, and, and that can lead to some negative habits that build up, and he might just have to break through some of those. The other thing is – and I didn't really think about it hard until I was listening to a few different people talk yesterday. Changing up little things in your mechanics sound really easy. You're just throwing a football. But if you really think about the little things and just how much they can completely change how you do things, it's kind of amazing. Like if you're right-handed, try to spend a whole day doing everything left-handed and see how difficult everything becomes. Even brushing your teeth, it's brushing your teeth. It should be the simplest thing ever. If you've never brushed your teeth with the opposite hand, give it a shot. Now imagine you've played football the same way for you know 23 years, and now you have to change how you drop back or how you step to, to do things. That's going to force you to, to think for a few extra seconds, and that might be why he's taking that extra few seconds to throw. So instead of you know two seconds and throw, it's three, four, and five seconds. And so I think you have to look at all of those things together, but then also realize like, he needs to get through some of that. Like you don't want to say like man up or things like that, but you know, there comes a point where it's like, just start slinging it. Like you can't be scared. You can't play the position 
scared and conservative. This isn't the, you know, the late nineties and early two thousands where you can, you know, get by running, you know, for 2,500 yards and passing for 2,500. That's just not how it, how it is anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Look, guys, there's a bunch of you listening to us over on Twitter. Make sure you head over onto YouTube so you can get your comments in and we'll read them out. Um, before we move on to kind of the next point, I actually think this is a, a really interesting question. And it's one that I think we're probably going to be talking about a lot this week. Um, basically, G23 says, if there is little to no progress made on Justin's behalf this season, do you run it back next year with better weapons or do you pick a quarterback in the first round next year? Love the show. And I think this is really, really important because ultimately it probably depends on how this season goes, regardless of how Justin plays. Because if you if you win six, seven, or eight games, you're not getting one of the top five quarterbacks in this class. And you can't then go and choose. And with that being said, there are guys in the top five in terms of the quarterbacks in this class that were not better prospects than Justin Fields coming out of Ohio State. So there's no guarantees that you, by just selecting a quarterback in the first round this year, are suddenly going to be better. There's a possibility. But again, it's one of those unknowns. The whole, I guess, the other side of the coin is, can you do what? the Dolphins did with Tua, where Tua looked lost. He looked like he couldn't throw a football, where people were mocking him when, what was it, when Tyreek Hill got traded, and they said they still won't, he still won't be able to throw the ball to Tyreek Hill because he can't throw it downfield. And it goes to show what you can do and get weapons, right? So, like, that's one way of doing it. You can just surround guys with good weapons and if you do that you will see performance improve and it is an interesting conversation that i think it's probably going to be a full video that we're going to have to do in order to get to that point because i don't think we're there yet because we're only three games into the season and actually i think this is an important point here he goes so we're already reaching at draft picks again when i don't believe that that's the case the i think the only way you talk about drafting a guy early in the first round of the draft as if this season completely catapults and then suddenly this coaching staff does not believe in Justin Fields. That's the only way that happens because what would be worse as a Bears fan is you going through a terrible season, the coaching staff not believing in a guy that hasn't improved. Let's say he stays the same, like the performances remain the same for the entire season. It would be worse as a Bears fan if you have a terrible season, your coaches don't believe in them, and then just to not try and change things. Because what you want to do is you need to make sure that your coaches believe in the guy that's supposed to be leading your team forward. And like we said, players can have poor performances and then figure out some way of getting better. And that's what you want. In an ideal world, the Bears do that. The Bears are able to figure out a way to get Justin Fields back to the I guess the confident Justin Fields we all saw at, at Ohio State. It was one of the things I, I mentioned on our post-game show. The one thing that I would have never said about Justin Fields is at Ohio State, he doesn't miss open receivers. That that didn't happen at Ohio State. That was happening yesterday. Like The fact that he missed a bubble screen or there was even his first interception. He had two players open. If he threw the ball maybe 
a second or two earlier, it's an easy completion. But what he did is he he actually went with the play in terms of the way it was going, and he made the correct read, but he just made a terrible throw. Now, is that the chemistry with Cole Komet? Is it a mistake on Justin's behalf? It's probably a little bit of both because things have just been out of sync at the beginning of the season. But hopefully as we move on throughout the season, those things improve and we see a better Justin Fields because for the Bears fans, the Bears organization, Justin Fields and everybody around this team, it's a better situation to be in that you don't have to go looking for another quarterback because you want to have that ticked off to where you believe that he can ascend into a good quarterback in this league. And in an ideal world, then you are just surrounding him with good talent and then you can see the offense get better like we've seen with the Dolphins. Because if you ask anybody 12 months ago what they thought of Tua Tungavailoa, most people would have said, I don't think he's a very good quarterback in this league. You ask those same people now, and they're saying how well he's played. So not everything in terms of development in the NFL is linear. Some guys develop a little bit later. It's never easy when you have to go through two coaching staff. So look, what we can say for now is yes, at the beginning of this season, Justin Fields has regressed from what we saw last year. Does that mean he is going to regress for the rest of the season? No. He could have one or two games where it starts to click. For me, I've always said it, and I've tweeted a couple of these out on the show's account, that Justin Fields right now looks like he's thinking too much when he's playing. You don't want a quarterback that's thinking too much because most quarterbacks, when they're in a system, they know the system, they don't have to think. They're able to react to what they're seeing on the field. Unfortunately, where I see it is that Justin's probably seeing it, but because he's thinking too much, he's a second or two too late on some of these throws. That's what's leaving him holding onto the ball too long. That's what le- what's leading to some of these miss miss aim passes as well. So hopefully this gets corrected over the next couple of games because there's winnable games there. So look, that's I think point one was always going to be longer than, than the rest because I think it was the most mm-hmm. important section that we had to cover. Um, but with that, let's go from one negative to one of the positives. And the first positive is... Roquan and the defense turn it up at the weekend. They had a phenomenal game. Again, while there were some instances of missed tackles and the Texans doing quite well, you have to hand it to Roquan Smith. At the end of the day, he finishes up with what was it, 12 or 16 tackles, the most important interception in the game. He looked like he was all over the field. For any for all of us that were criticizing or saying what is happening with Roquan Smith over the first two weeks of the season. Roquan looks like he is back. One of the interesting things that I think it was Courtney Cronin pointed out today, or it may have been Courtney Cronin or Dan Weeder, or I can't remember who it was. Um, they mentioned that the Bears defense in the second half of games have not, have not conceded a touchdown. They've conceded field goals, which is fine. That's really, really good considering what we've seen on defense and we've, been critical of it we've seen at times Kyler Gordon not play too well we've seen the missed tackling from in week two we've seen some of the missteps in week one but the one thing that you can say is with this defense they are creating turnovers well we got two interceptions yesterday there was two forced fumbles that the Bears just needed to land on and then you give yourself an even more bigger opportunity and look I was impressed with this defense because 
it's not a defense full of star name players. It's guys coming together, hustling to the football. You've Roquan Smith, obviously, Robert Quinn, who I think I'd love to see a stat on how much time how many times he's actually held in a game without it being called because it seems like it's almost every single play. You've guys like Travis Gibson, Dominique Robinson stepping up. I think Justin Jones had a good game. Blackson getting the key tip to for it to get to Roquan Smith. While there was times that Vildor was getting attacked, he still came up with a very important play to for Eddie Jackson to get that interception. I think Brisker has played quite well as well. So we talk about the defense as a whole. They've actually played pretty well. And I think some of the big runs that the Packers did in week two have kind of clouded a lot of Bears fans' judgments. And I've admitted that to myself. It was something that it just looked so bad watching it. But when you actually look at the three weeks as a whole, you've got to be fairly positive of what the defense has done. Now, with that, I'll let you go ahead and kind of talk about what you saw from the defense this weekend. Yeah, a lot of what you said there. Look, you have to talk about Roquan yesterday. As you say, 16 tackles, two for a loss, and and that interception, which wins the game. So, you know, great to see him step up. Obviously, we, we've said it a number of times. It's, it's a very young defense in places, um, you know, with Brisker and Gordon kind of stepping in there. Dominic Robinson getting a, a little, you know, a little bit of action in the rotation there. Always doing something when he comes in. Always being involved in getting after the quarterback and getting a sack or half a sack. So that that's positive. Um, I was worried about the, the DBs yesterday in, in general. Um, obviously with Jalen Johnson going out. And from the start, I got worried. I think Carla Gordon got beat across the middle fairly, fairly quickly. And you kind of sit back and think, oh no, for a young player who had a bad game last week, you know, is this then going to kind of play on him? But in fairness to him, he, he wasn't amazing, but he definitely was solid. And he came back into it. He had a good uh, tip at one point, uh, breaking up a play. Um, Brisker is, is just a really good player back there. But Eddie Jackson has been fantastic this season. And to see a player like him coming back into it, you know, we can talk about what did or didn't go wrong. I know we had a lot of stuff off the field, which, you know, is is fair enough. Like, that's... That comes before everything, and, and if that had a knock-on effect to his to his football, then look, it's it's good to see that maybe he's gotten on past that now, and he, he's back into the player that we've been waiting to see for two, three years now. Um, but as you say, they've been getting after people. I would have liked a few more sacks yesterday now against the Texans, if I'm being honest. I think we're going up against a third-string center. I would have liked to see maybe one or two more. But in, in fairness, that's nitpicking because they did have a very good game. And as you mentioned, they don't give up second half touchdowns. They've given up, I think, three or four field goals over the course of the second halves. And for me, I kind of always thought that the defense would be the stronger of the two on the team and that we'd need to lean on them a bit as the offense was finding itself. And look, fair enough. Everyone can have a bad game against the Packers in Lambeau. That, that's life. You know, they, they, they weren't tackling right. Obviously, they've gone back and they've looked at that. and. Yeah, look, there are positives there. There are some young players who have a good future. There are some older players who are maybe finding a bit better form again. And Roquan yesterday hopefully has kind of shown us what he can do and what he'll continue to do. And if he continues to do that, well, then, you know, he'll have an interesting contract conversation at the end of the season. And let's hope he's in that position where he wants to have that talk and he feels like he's done everything on the field um, yeah, look, generally positive on, on, on the defense. Not perfect, but they're trending right. And I do think they will get better as time goes on as well, just because you have Eberflus and Williams who 
you know, that that's Eberflus's bag, his defense, and and this is what he'll be working on. And I, I think they will improve. But yeah, I'm I'm generally happy with how it's gone so far. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's good to see a defense swarming to the football. And look, Seth, I'm gonna to come to you as well. The the defense I thought yesterday played a really good game. And I'll mention a couple of plays here and there. I think there was a particular period of time where Kyler Gordon struggled, but I think he came back into the game really well for a rookie to to do that mid-game is is difficult, especially when you have the guy that you've kind of been opposite with Jalen Johnson not being out there and you're essentially out there with Vildor and another rookie, a UDFA. Not easy. Um, and he was able to overcome that. And overall, the Bears' defense came had four turnovers yesterday, and it's a key reason to why the Bears won that game. Yeah, absolutely. And when you really like break it down and look at like the scope of the whole game, 129 yards of passing from the Texans came on four plays. And that's the like the crazy thing. I mean, he threw in total uh, 32 passes, 20 completions. Four of those accounted for basically half his yardage. And they're going to clean up some of those big plays. And 52 was the, you know, that beginning play, you know, Gordon has to step up on some of those things, but they're going to slowly cut those things out. And, but I mean, at the end of the day, the cover two, the Tampa two, the, the style of defense they play is going to allow some of those big plays. Like when you're, you know, one man in his own, all it takes is somebody just running right behind you at the right time and, and you're going to get open. That's why they always say the bend don't break defense. So there's always going to be those plays. But when you take those things out, like obviously, yeah, the big plays you don't want to see. But when you take those out of the equation, they play beyond exceptional. You know, when you when you look at the rest of the game, like even with the rushing attack, like I said in the, the post-game show, you take out that 24-yard run, Pierce is averaging 2.95 yards per carry. Like that, I mean – they got to clean up those things, but when you look at the whole scope of it and 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 look at each play versus just looking at the end number, like oh wow, he ran for eighty yards. Yeah, but you know, a huge chunk of that came on one play. And the big thing, and it's something I hope Fields can take from this, is Roquan looked like he wasn't thinking. He was flying. He was just like, all right, I know my gap assignments. I know where I need to be. You know, if I, if I misfire, I misfire, but I'm not going to hesitate. I'm just going to fire and go. And you saw the results of that. Like he, he wasn't a man out there looking, looking confused, lost, you know, kind of flat footed. He was just like, I'm going to go and whoever's in front of me, I'm hitting them as hard as I can, whether it's a lineman, you know, running back receiver, it didn't matter. He was popping them as hard as he could. Um, but the run defense really, really was great. Um, Muhammad was somebody I've been kind of really hard on the first few weeks. I thought he was one of the best run defenders uh, in, the, in that game. And I think if they can continue to do that while cleaning up some of those bigger plays, we could be in for a pretty darn solid defense, especially if Eddie Jackson keeps playing the way he has, which is pretty darn outstanding. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's he's had a really, really good start to the season, which is Really good. That statistic is mad that when Eddie Jackson has a, an interception, the Bears win. Like it's 12 and it's, it's it's crazy. It's 
it's absolutely insane. They should be trying to get Eddie Jackson as close to that football as possible <laughs> to make sure that that continues. But look, with that, we're going to move to number three, and that is the Bears' potent rushing attack. And it was phenomenal. Like, we can be all negative in terms of what the offensive production was in the air. It's the complete opposite. And when you look at the Bears rushing, I'm, I think they're averaging about 187 yards per game in terms of the rushing. That's ridiculous. It's like, that shouldn't happen. It, should, it really shouldn't you. And it's not like you've come up against three bad defenses. You come up against two very, very good defenses. And then the Texans, which have struggled a little bit. So, Look, it, it's crazy. And the fact that you were able to do it with David Montgomery going down very, very early into the game, who everybody kind of saw in the Green Bay Packers game, but David Montgomery looked really, really good. But then for Khalil Herbert on 20 rushing attempts, he had 157 yards. And him getting into the end zone again twice, it, it is really, really good. And it's something that I do like as we're moving forward now hopefully David Montgomery can come back because at the end of the day it seems like according to the Bears that it's day to day and they're only talking about his ankle while we kind of heard from more of the national guys that it was the ankle and the knee hopefully it's not and hopefully the Bears are right and that they did some extra tests and it kind of shows that he's he doesn't have any damage in that knee if that's the case it's really good because if he's day to day maybe he doesn't play this week but then he's probably going to be available for the vikings game which is really really positive for this bears rushing attackers you want to see that continue it goes to show like the bears just seem to be able to know how to pick running backs because you go david montgomery we've seen other guys like jordan howard in the past khalil herbert who a lot of people thought that when he was drafted it's kind of a guy that might make the roster, all this sort of stuff, but then he comes out and he's been phenomenal. He's been an excellent pick for the Bears, and you even have kind of Tresson Ebner kind of coming in, having a, a couple plays here and there. We'll see what he can do if David Montgomery isn't available because he'll get more of the load kind of in that Herbert role. But, yeah, it's, it's really good. Right now, the Bears are fourth in the league in terms of averaging and average yards per carry. I think they have 5.4. Um, and it goes to show one of the key stats when I was kind of looking at the offensive line is right now the Bears are, are I think, in terms of um, run blocking their number two in or rank number two in terms of the entirety of the offensive lines in the league. And it goes to show when you're able to run the ball, it's really, really important. And a lot of that comes down to your offensive line. Can they create gaps? Can they create holes for your running backs? This offensive line is doing that. They're playing nasty up front. They're creating opportunities for the running backs to, to get kind of basically not what we've seen over the last two years where it seemed like every time Montgomery touched the ball, there was already somebody right at him. We're not seeing that this year. We're seeing the offensive line play really, really good football. You don't get over 200 yards rushing with a bad offensive line. And I think that's one of the things that's a, a really big positive here. And it's it's something that I kind of wanted to mention because, again, if you guys want to talk about both the rushing attack, but I think in turn that comes to talking about the O-line because I think it's one thing that people spoke about before the season that the Bears are going to have the worst O-line in the league. And we kept saying in terms of that kind of the, the run blocking, that's a really good line. 
and they're proving it right now. Number two in the NFL in terms of pass blocking. I think I've mentioned it on Twitter over the last kind of 24 hours. If you go and look for offensive linemen on a week-to-week basis of who's in the top 10 in terms of pass blocking grades, there's at least one Bears player every single week. Now, the issue is, as a unit, it's not matching up to that, that they're not all being consistent. But that's what you hope does happen, and maybe that might open up the kind of passing game a little bit as well. But, yeah, look, you have to give the Bears coaches, the offensive line, the running backs their dues. The rushing attack is one of the best in the league right now. They're proving it. Teams know what they're doing, and they still can't stop it. And that's a really good kind of, I guess, modem going forward for this team. If you can run the ball, and if the team knows you're going to run it, you can still get past them. It's a really, really good sign. And look with that. Now I'm going to come to you. What's your, what's been your opinion of what we've seen in the run game? Yeah, no, no, you're spot on on the outline. I mean, and they, they absolutely have to get their credit for what they've done because they were questioned by a lot of people, a lot of national people, as you say, were like dismissive of it. The, the worst line in the league. I mean, you see what some of those players have done, especially when you have a, a late round pick at left tackle from this year and a late round pick at right tackle from last year. And those boys, I mean, I watched a, a video today that Barlissimo done, which showed the forced Herbert touchdown. I mean, you see the work that they done and even Borum coming across and actually creating that gap for Herbert to go through. You, you really see what those guys are doing there and they deserve a lot of credit for that. And you're right, without an O-line doing the job, you don't rack up these, these numbers, but then, then you have to talk about Herbert and Montgomery. I mean, Herbert on the season is 33 attempts, 240 yards, three touchdowns, averaging 7.3 yards a carry. Like that's, monstrous you know that's that's that is just fantastic to see and when you have two players i mean we have montgomery last week we have herbert this week if you can keep those boys fit and kind of rotate between them both of those guys are good enough to continue getting yards uh, and then as you say if, if teams know that they're doing this and teams still can't stop them you know if we could just get that passing game up to average then you're really putting defenses on the back foot because they have two things to worry about and they have one of the best Russian attacks in the league to worry about. So yeah, look, what can you say? You have to give the, the the run an A so far this season. They've just they've they've absolutely done it. Justin Fields as well. We, we'd like to see him more with his arm, but he's coming up at times with some really important runs as well when it's needed. So you know it's it's good to see, and it's an important part for any team. Now, if we can just kind of build on that and work on the, the pass, then you know this offense could really, really legitimately kind of put teams under pressure but yeah I, I, what else can you say about the run game two fantastic players an o-line that's absolutely doing its job despite what everyone kind of predicted for them and again hopefully that just keeps going forward but it's it's definitely a plus at the moment yeah absolutely and look it's it'd be great to hopefully we get a little bit more clarity on david montgomery going forward because it's always good to have that kind of two-headed monster that like you have two really good running backs coming in here because i think you can't really say too much about contrast and Ebner right now because we haven't seen enough from him. But with that, look, Seth, I'll, I'll come to you. Is what's been your opinion of what you've seen in terms of the running attack from this Bears team? Yeah, I mean, same things that have already been said. It's it's been really fun to watch this line run block. It it seems as though they like thoroughly enjoy it more than than any other aspect. They just gear up and just start knocking people down it's it's been really fun to see 
Um, I would like to see more of Jenkins on the field. I mean, I, I honestly think he's probably been the best run blocker of, of them all right now, just in, in where, where he pulls when he gets to the second level. He's just doing all the things right. Um, it's a shame that he's, he's only, you know, out there for 50% of those snaps. Who knows, you know, how much more yardage we could have had with, with him out there more, you know, consistently, but that's something we can touch more on later. But the, the other thing is I want to see more blossom game. Like it seems whenever that dude's on the field, good things happen. Uh, he was in, I don't was he in on both touchdown, both rushing touchdowns or, or just the one. But it seems like any good big rushing play, that dude is out there. And he, I mean, he's a huge guy, and there's no reason he shouldn't be out there more. He can catch, he can run block, he can pass block, and you know, I'd, I'd like to see you know more of those you know personnel groupings where you've got you know Komet, Blossom game, and then a running back in there. Like I'd like to see more of that because I think you can get you know more more success out of the run game, but also you can add some more more things out of the pass game because when you run out of those formations a little bit more frequently, then that puts the, the defense in even more sense of conflict because you're like, all right, they're having some success with the pass out of this you know personnel group, out of this formation, and the run. Now we don't know what's coming versus you know when you kind of get static with your, all right, they're in shotgun. It's probably going to be one of two things. But like when you've got two or three formations that you run – a variety of plays out of which this scheme kind of lends itself to that's when you can really get dangerous and the amount of success they've had in the run game i think will lend itself even more to that in the future because a good running attack in various ways whether it's inside outside like they're getting it done every which way and and that's you know it's what you want to see you can control the clock and you know you're you're giving yourself the ability to win games when you when you run like that yeah, and the rushing attack is what I want to see from the entirety of the offense. Like you said, teams don't know if they're going inside, outside. Even though they know that they're running the football, they don't know where it's going because the Bears are able to – and this comes down to the offensive line. They've been successful in terms of pushing it forward, gave it opening up holes both inside but also being able to – get get your running back enough space on the outside to be able to make some plays there as well. And that's where – and this is where it kind of boggles my mind when we look at how good this rushing attack has been. The fact that the passing game has been so bad and yet they're still able to put up these numbers is, is ridiculous because most of the rushing attacks in the league that are really good is kind of complemented with a pretty good passing game to where defenses don't know where what's coming next. Most defenses know what this team is trying to do and try to stop it. That's the that's the big thing here. But look, it is interesting as we kind of move forward. But you spoke a little bit about the offensive line, and that comes to number four, and it's something that a lot of people have been talking about, and that is Sam Mustafer. So number four is basically no more Mustafer. Don't need to see it anymore. He's a good rotational lineman i'd still sign him to kind of a contract if it's not a a big deal because it's always important to have a guy that you know can help you if somebody gets injured and isn't going to completely mess up the flow of your offensive line i know people don't like mustafer but please please look at 
offensive lines around the league. There's a lot worse linemen than Sam Mustafa out there. He knows his job. He knows his assignment. Okay, sometimes he's a little bit light in the ass, so he's not able to actually do exactly what you're looking for. But at the end of the day, he's not one of the reasons why an offensive line has and hasn't even struggled. But he's not one of the reasons for that. And the line as a whole has done pretty well. But he's a clear deficiency in there. Like you can you can tell it's very obvious where the weak link is on most of the time for that offensive line. And the thing is, and it might not even be completely his fault because it's not easy when you have a rotation going on at right guard, but there's a rotation because, look, they're waiting for Patrick to come back and they want both of those guys in there. You mentioned it yourself, Seth. Tevin Jenkins, in terms of his, especially in terms of the run blocking, has the highest grade of the entire of the offensive line. I think it's um, PFF. He had like a 70, I think it was like a 71.1. Um, now, the one thing I would say is you look at this offensive line and that in terms of the run game, they've been excellent and you have to give dues to Sam Mustafa in that sense as well. But the problem is in the passing game, you're seeing him get beat very quickly and you can't be doing that. Even if you're not, even if you're not as comfortable in terms of the pass game, you still need to hold the block for a certain amount of seconds and you can't have some of the kind of mistakes. When you have the first play of the, of the game, and it's a botch snap, can't happen. When you have like an illegal snap, <laughs> can't happen. Like that's the issue here. So I think the sooner Patrick gets into center to where you can see what you have with Jenkins at right guard for an entire game and you don't have to do this rotation, the better it's going to be for the Bears. That's what I think a lot of fans want to see. And I think ultimately it's what we will see. I think it's just, I think the Bears coaches are still trying to push Tevin to be the best lineman he can be. And I think that's the reason why Eberflus came out today and mentioned that the, the reason why Patrick got the start was because Tevin didn't play as well in practice that week. They're pushing him to be better. They're pushing him to be consistent on a daily basis. And if he can get to that point, that dude is a monster. He could, he could be an excellent right guard for the future for the Bears. And I think overall, the offensive line would benefit from Mustafa not starting at center, but he's still going to be a key contributor for this team moving forward because, as we know, offensive linemen always get injured. It's going to happen at some point in time. One of the guy, one of the other guys is going to get injured, and you're going to need Sam Mustafer because he can play multiple positions. And with that, Null, I'm going to let you kind of talk about it a little bit. Yeah, no, look, I agree with everything you say. I mean, I think Mustafer has done better than a lot of people were kind of afraid of. But coming into the season when they kind of knew he was going to be starting and he, and he has done well I mean at, in certain points but I agree with you at times he he is that weak link on, on the O-line and they brought Patrick in for a reason and it would just I, I think for a lot of people as well you know Seth alluded to it they're just sick of this rotation on right guard because you can see a player in Tevin Jenkins and it would be nice for him to really get a run at it and and then look for Patrick I do think he's a better center than Mustafa so I think overall, you you make a line that's been doing well, even stronger, if you can get that five set and, and in. Now, I think there's probably a good chance that maybe Patrick would have played this weekend, only, you know, he was only getting back to snapping the ball again. And that that's a very big risk if he's only been doing it for a day or two to have him going straight into a game. So, you know, maybe next weekend we could be looking at that. 
But yeah, I mean, look, I don't want to say because Mustafa has a lot of people that say a lot of nasty things about him, and I, and I don't want to go there because he he hasn't been terrible. He has been okay at times, like, and he is a player who he is probably a good player to have back there if you need cover or you need him to come in for a game or two because he's an experienced player starting center at this stage. And that's, you know, experience in itself is really important. But for me now, I'm, I'm done with the right guard rotation. I'd like to see Jenkins get a run. And I do think Patrick is just that better option at center. And I think it will solidify that line that bit more and, and help them hopefully take the next step because they, they really are like they, they have done so much better than they were, than they were predicted by a lot of people. And I'm, I'm glad to see that because if, these guys going forward can continue with that. Then there's your left tackle, your right tackle, and your right guard solidified for the next six, seven years. If these guys continue to kind of show that they can do it, which is is really exciting and, and something we haven't had in a long, long time. Year on year, we talk about the O-line and what's it going to be this year and what's it going to be next year. If we can get three guys in there set, then that is, is such a good thing for this team going forward. So I'm hoping Patrick gets in this this weekend and you know can get himself acclimatized and 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 it's in there as center. But look, we'll see how it goes. It's it's still again, it's still positive. It's not it's not the negative some people thought it would be talking about the line, and that's a good thing, and that's something to really be to to latch onto and to be positive about. Yeah, absolutely. And and Seth, I'm gonna let you kind of talk about it as well. Um, what what's been your opinion of of this? Do you think it's time now that most of her is to the bench and we see what we have in Patrick at center and Jenkins at guard. I'm, I'm right there with you guys. And I think the way you said that is the most important part. We need to see what we have in Patrick as a center because we don't know right now. He could very well, you could go out there for two, three weeks and then you guys could, we could all decide, you know what? Mustafer is the better answer, but you're not going to know that until you get him out there. And the other thing with Mustafer is he, he's definitely been serviceable and that's a good thing to have, you know, for your bench. But just cause you could be a starter on six other teams does not mean, you know, you're good enough to take it to the next level or to be the thing, the line, you know, the line needs to progress. Like could the Texans have very well wanted to have him starting at center today? Probably or Sunday, probably. They would have probably loved to have had him. And there's probably a few other teams that wouldn't mind having him. But that doesn't necessarily, you know, mean anything uh, in terms of what this line needs right now. Um, you look back, you know, and I hate to always be the, the, the guy talking about the numbers, but when you look back at one of the reasons they brought um, Patrick in, he had 822 snaps at center for the Packers last year allowed one sack. That'd probably be something we could use right now. Over his 958 snaps at center with the Packers, one sack total. And statistically speaking, he's had more success at center than right guard. I think he's given up four sacks um, in total uh, playing right guard. So clearly the numbers show that he's a better center than he is a right guard. He's decent at both. And if he, if Jenkins went down and you need to start Mustafer at center and him at right guard, I think you feel relatively comfortable, but there's multiple layers to it. On top of just probably being a more physical, nasty player, 
He knows the scheme better, which means he can help with those line adjustments that maybe Fields, you know, and Mustafer combined are having, you know, trouble with. You know, maybe with Mustafer in there, he notices something and, you know, calls out with the the blitz that happened that Fields completely missed. Maybe he sees something like that and calls it out. You know, it's it's usually up to you know the quarterback and the the center to make some of those you know line adjustments and. You know, you're not going to know what you have fully in Jenkins until he can play a whole game and a string of games and see what he can do. And, you know, you brought Patrick in to be your center. Then once he can snap the ball and, and be a center, put him in there. Like, it, it, it does you no good to just keep a rotation when you might have somebody who's better at the position. And you're not going to know unless you do it. You know, it's that the silly expression, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. You don't know what you have in him at center if you never play him there. And I think that could benefit the line as a whole. You know, there were moments out there where if they would have just kept Jenkins in there, it probably would have had a few more plays that, you know, break a bigger run. And in the passing game, I think you're going to see a lot more benefit to having somebody like Patrick in there because he's got more experience. He's played multiple positions on the line so he can utilize that in his calls because he knows, you know, hey, the right guard needs to be doing this. I know because I played that position. The left guard needs to be doing this. I know because I played that position. He's played, I think, four positions on the line with the Packers. So he knows what each of those assignments are. Like you want somebody at center who can do that and then also, you know, be that prick that I, th- I think that's the word he used on himself. Yeah. You know, you want you want that, especially if you're going to focus on running the ball. You know, you can't have timid people in there. You know, uh, you don't you don't win fights that way. So I I definitely think it's time to at least see what you have in them. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's it's important that you see you see and how that goes, and then you can kind of make a sound decision moving forward on what you want to do with this offensive line. Like, even though this offensive line looks really good right now, I, somebody asked me today on Twitter if we come into the off season, what are some of the positions that you think that polls will target? And look, obviously there's the wide receiver position. I still think they'll probably try and get a defensive tackle that they truly believe in. But I think Ryan polls is going to be the type of GM that's never going to be satisfied with the guys that he has on the offensive line, because we've seen it this year. He's, even though they could be smaller moves, a lot of them have worked out, even have a little bit of extra depth with kind of Schofield and Reef still back there. You bring in Leatherwood when a lot of people thought that you wouldn't. They're not, they're never going to be done adding to this offensive line room. And that's why it's always a pretty good shout that regardless of where the Bears are picking in round one and round two, there's always a good chance that they'll go for an offensive lineman because that's what this team they know they need to be built in, built in the trenches. So it is going to be interesting as we move forward. But look, I agree. I want to see Patrick at center. You brought him in as a center. That's the reason why you paid him all that money in free agency. So let's see what he can do. I've been impressed with Jenkins. I want to see him kind of progress. The only way a young guy is going to progress is by playing games and playing consistently. You can't expect the guy to have consistent performances if he's constantly being subbed in and subbed out. You need him playing for the entirety of of games. And with that, we come to the last kind of thing that we learned from from this game. And it's something that I think a lot of fans need to take, regardless of what happened in terms of the statistics of a quarterback. And that is 
wins matter and wins matter for this coaching staff they matter for those players because you want buy-in with a new coaching staff at the end of the day like yes you can say oh but it stops you from having a high draft pick in an ideal world you don't need to keep having high draft picks because realistically i know people will say if you believe in justin fields okay people will say well then you can get the top receiver in the draft well for me i look at it this year and we're going to be doing a bunch of draft videos they'll be starting from from this week so kind of check those out but i have like between eight to ten wide receivers that i've graded very similarly in the draft there's one or two kind of left tackles in there that i don't know how high they go if there's five quarterbacks that may go in the top 10 there's probably a couple of good players that are going to get dropping out of, out of there. And that's why I think it's important that the Bears do figure out this thing with Justin Fields because it's actually a better situation to be in if you don't have to go and draft the quarterback. So hopefully we can see that improve. But for me, I just think wins are important. They're like Obviously, you need to look at how a team is performing. But I think I mentioned this it feels really good that when your quarterback is playing like crap and you're still winning football games, because normally that doesn't happen. If your quarterback is playing as badly as Justin Fields did on Sunday, nine ten times out of ten, you lose. The Bears have won when realistically we haven't played that well. Now, if somehow the team can kind of turn that into actually developing and playing good football, well, that's a great situation to be in because you've basically saved yourself early in the season where you weren't playing good football to the point of where, okay, you've got two wins at the start where people are saying you you haven't played well. You're one of the worst teams in the league and yet you're still, you're two and one at the end of the day. That's all that matters. Once we get to the end of the season, people forget what the, what happened in games and what they think about is, okay, where did you finish? What record did you have? Did you show improvement from the start of the season to the end of the season? If you can say yes on all of those and you have a decent record, which I think the Bears could have if Justin can be adequate at the quarterback position, I think that's really, really important right now. I think it's it's fair. You can go out and say Justin Fields had a terrible had a terrible football game. He said it like himself. He said he played like crap. So the fact that that happened and you were still able to win shows that there's buy-in from this team, that this team stick together no matter what's happening. And you can see that both offense, defense, and special teams are all coming together. It seems like they're fighting for one another and there's something to be said when you're struggling at one side of the football, whether it be on offense or on defense. And there's a lot of positive signs with this coaching staff, with the way the players are reacting towards them. And the fact that, within your first three games, you've won two. And I think if we were all talking before this, when we went back to May, if we spoke about first three games of the season, I think I, I think I had us beating the 49ers, losing to the Packers and beating the Texans. But a lot of people didn't have us beating the 49ers. And we're saying it's probably one and two, beating the Texans and losing the other two games. You start off two and one, and it's a really good situation to be in. If you can go into this week and beat the Giants and be three and one in the first kind of quarter of the season, that's a, an excellent situation to be in for the Bears. And 
look, it's it's something to move ahead with. And look, Mel, with that, I'm gonna bring it to you. It's been something that I think has been irking some people. The fact that yes, we can say that Justin Fields played like crap, but there's some people that just can't get past and can't enjoy the Bears winning a football game when we've seen in recent years. It's not that easy. And according to some people, some outlets had us winning three games. So apparently we're only winning one more game this season. We're almost there. No, wins are so important. And I I, I never, even under the Nagy era where people were like, oh, I hope you lose because I want them gone. As much as I want Nagy gone, I never want to see the Bears lose. But that's just a personal kind of thing. From from the team's point of view, you're right. They're just so important. And I think this is where there's a disconnect between some fans and the coaching staff. For some fans, they thought we were going into the season thinking we can't win anything. So just left Justin Troa here, there, and everywhere because we need to find out who he is. And it doesn't matter if we lose games because we just need to find out who he is. Well, that's assuming the coaching staff are going into the season thinking we can't win anything and we're just going to let a quarterback throw it everywhere because it's a write-off year. No, this coaching staff are going into the season thinking we want to win. So yesterday, and you know, it frustrates me at times as well, when Justin isn't playing well and you have the ball with 30 seconds left in the first half with three timeouts, fans are thinking, well, screw it. We're not winning anything anyway. Let Justin just ping it and we'll see what happens. The coaches are thinking, no, we want to win this game. Things aren't going well at the moment. Let's just get in a halftime and kind of adjust and sort things out. And, and that's that's. I think that is the disconnect. This, this coaching staff want to win games. These players want to win games. So they're not going to just concentrate on the quarterback to see who he is because this is this is their job this is their profession this is their you know everything to them this is what they work for they've worked to get into this position so fans need to understand that whether or not we think they can win anything this year whether or not we think they should be doing everything with fields just to see who he is these guys want to win it's important for them to win for everything for morale for their own you know their own themselves like you know they they want to win games and for me as a fan i never want to see them lose i always want to see them do what they think is the right thing to win so maybe at times it may get frustrating maybe at times they might seem a little safer because they just don't trust what's happening at that moment with the quarterback or the o-line or the running game or whatever it might be but at the end of the day you need to do what you need to do to win games and we're two and one and who knows if fields clicks you know we have we have a couple of tough games, I think, in December. But we have a run of games of the Lions, the Jets. I can't, I can't think to somebody else. Would it be the Falcons, maybe, somewhere in the long way? We have kind of a run like that where you could see them, if they're running right, they could potentially win two or three of those games. Or you, you'd, you'd like to think you'd be in the mix for that. So, yeah, winning games is important. They always need to win games. And, you know, Justin Fields is important to us. But for the coaching staff... The whole team is important to them and they need to do what's right for everyone while still putting Justin in the best position to find out who he is going forward. So yeah, wins are important. Yeah, absolutely. It's important to, especially a new coaching staff because it'll, it makes your message resonate in the locker room because then it shows the players that it's working. And yeah, look, just to kind of go on the back of one of the things you said, no, there's a couple of good parts this year, right? So you have the Giants coming up next. Daniel Jones, we're going to get to see what he's going to do this evening. You have the Vikings who have been off and on last week. They look pretty 
subpar. Um, the commanders that they just cannot protect um, Carson Wentz at all. The Patriots maybe without Mac Jones at that point in time, depending on how what happens with Dak Prescott. The Cowboys maybe without him. Then you have a little bit of a, a tricky game in terms of you play against the Dolphins. But I think this is the period of time that you're talking about. You have three games here where they're winnable. I'm not saying that the Bears would be favorites in them, but you have the Lions in on the 13th of November. You then go back to playing the Falcons, and then you play the Jets. And that's an easy point until kind of the last kind of difficult section of the season where you have to go up against the Packers, the Eagles, and the Bills, where you probably lose those games. But there's still some parts of this season, like we've spoken about the last couple of weeks and kind of moving into these next couple where there's winnable football games there. There's another period of the season where there's another stretch of winnable football games. So there's definitely an opportunity for the Bears here. I'm not going to say they're going to win eight or nine games, but there's definitely an opportunity here for them to get to the six or seven. Like a lot of people kind of predicted at the beginning of the season. And some teams, when they win six or seven games, it's an, it's an outright failure. Other teams, when they do it and they can show development, especially when you're trying to rebuild a football team, it's it can be seen as a positive. And I think it's interesting kind of as we move forward, but that's what I'm saying. There's going to be times this season where you're going to go on losing streaks. It's it's just going to happen. So when you're on a, a bit of a positive to where you've won a football game, try and enjoy it. I know you, I know you can get roped into all the negativity. Like I think one of the guys in the comments said that on ESPN 1000 today, they compared Justin Fields to Jamarcus Russell. Like that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Like they are nowhere near in terms of one ability two mentality. They're two completely different ends of the spectrum. So I think that's just, that has to be one of those situations where they're trying to get callers to kind of call in and bait people to come in because that one is absolutely ludicrous. Um, but look, with that said, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring you in here because this was something that I feel kind of passionate about. Is I don't care how the team plays if they end up winning, that's the most important thing here. Like, yes, we want to see Justin Fields play a lot better, but at the end of the day, Justin Fields can throw for 400 yards and you can lose a football game, and then at the end of the season, nobody remembers Justin Fields throwing 400 yards. No, absolutely. And, and I mean, we're two and one. And if you would have told me three months ago that Justin Fields through three games would have less than 300 yards and four picks, I'd say we're 0 3. Like, there's no way we're <laughs> winning a game. But we're two and one. So if he can just get a little bit, like, incrementally better, like, there's no way you don't win a few more games. Like, it's, you got to look at those positives. Like, there are things he did, you know, that, can be built on and you know yeah it was a it was a bad game but i don't think he'll have another game like that in the next two games like i think he's going to do everything in his power to not and if he does have those games well then that's a whole different video and a whole different conversation but you got to enjoy like the two and one because if they go on to win a bunch of games you're not going to be talking about those kinds of things like do you guys remember any of the really, really bad games that Rex Grossman had during that Super Bowl run? No, I know he had Super some, Bowl. but I couldn't tell you. I couldn't the tell Bowl. you. You know, <laughs> well, outside of the, yeah, outside yeah. of the Super Bowl itself, but like during that that season, like I remember yeah. some big plays. I don't focus in on 
the awfulness of some of those bad games. Like you focus in on the wins over the course of things. But the thing yeah, is, yeah, it was an I, ugly win, but it's a win. Yeah, to go with that, like the thing is, if you have a rushing attack the way the Bears have it right now, you don't need Fields to be throwing it all over the yard because look, we can be honest here and say he doesn't have the quality in terms of the receivers that are there because at the end of the day, yeah, there's plays that he's missing and receivers are open, but it's still guys that are not consistently open and winning their one-on-one matchups on play-by-play basis. And the other thing I think was mentioned is the guys that you see uh, incremental improvement from is when they get a guy that they can just trust on third down. Like when you see Mahomes and when Mahomes is on it, on third down, you know where that ball is going. It's going to Travis Kelsey. And okay, maybe he might drop it or maybe something else happens, but he knows that no matter what happens, if I'm in trouble, I'm I'm going to Kelsey. And that's it. And unfortunately, he feels doesn't have that. And sometimes that's one of the most important things that you have some type of safety blanket. And that was the unfortunate thing of everything that happened with Alan Robinson last year to where he zoned out and then obviously is left now is that for Trubisky anyway, Alan Robinson was that guy is that when he was in trouble, he just threw it to, to Robinson. And sometimes Robinson came up with the ball. Unfortunately, Fields doesn't have that right now. So, I think what's happening in Fields' head, head is he thinks he has to be perfect. And instead of taking the easy option, he's putting so much pressure on himself to the point of where I think there was a play I, I pointed out on Twitter that he had basically there was a hitch route and a corner to where, look, I think on the corner route that the guy was kind of covered. But if you if you made a play and put it in the right position, your receiver probably comes down with it. The hitch route, if you played it maybe a second or two earlier than when the screenshot is there, it's an easy completion. But instead, he's looking at the center of the field for Darnell Mooney. So like sometimes he's, he's trying to get that big play. And ultimately, quarterbacks do that when they're under pressure and they feel like they need to make a play. They need to make a wild play and get people off their back. And I think that's where he's at at the moment. And... Um, he just, I think he just needs to tone it down a little bit. He just needs to play fundament, fundamentally good football and just make it simple. Like, if there's a check down there, take it. Like, get a couple of those kind of completions in there and build a rhythm. And I think that's what's really, really important here. And then, look, if you can prove that you can develop, then the best thing going forward for the Bears then will be that we look at him as a player that you can build around if you get the right pieces. Because that's in that's the most important section here. And look, there's a really good question from Tony. Um, he says here, serious question, lads. Uh, after having another day to think about it, are we overreacting just a tad too early? Um, no, I'll let you answer this one because uh, I've kind of spent it on for a long time on this. Um, do you do you kind of agree or disagree with this question? Um, that Tony's saying is, are people just overreacting too early here? Um, I think there's legitimate questions to be asked about how Fields has been playing, but I do think some people have absolutely overreacted. Um, again, you'll have that cross-section of fans. Some will be calm and positive about how it's going forward. Some will be a bit shaky, and others will just be over the top. Um, 
as, as, as usual, the, the truth is always in between somewhere there. He's not played well. We, we said it at the start. You know, I was talking about the tweet you put out. It is okay to say he has not played well, but I still think he is the guy going forward, and I still think he, he gets there. So, yeah, th- there's definitely been some overreaction. But I think, and as I say, I, I was probably a little hyped up last night after the game. You know, you're coming straight into it. I think we've been a bit today anyway. I think we've been a bit more level-headed and, and kind of discussed what we thought about everything. And I, I think we've been fair. Like, I don't think we've overreacted to anything. I think we, we've kind of tried to put our points across. But, yeah, there's definitely some overreaction. But, look, it's a football team. We're not called fans, you know, fanatics for nothing. Like, you know, there's, yeah. there's going to be some people who are going to be crazy. There's going to be some people who are balanced. And at the end of the day, I, I yeah, there's probably a bit of it. But, look, that's going to happen. That's That's been part of sport forever. And it's been part of the Bears fandom for a long time. And it, no matter what happens, it, it'll be the way going forward again. But, you know, it makes it interesting. I think game day and after a game, it's the day for overreactions on both sides of things. That if you yeah, ever, if you ever, great, like, for example, if Fields comes out next week, throws for four touchdowns and 400 yards against the Giants, people are saying, oh, look, there he is. That's an amazing quarterback. Here we go. Uh, where he's turned the corner, the offense is doing really good now. It's the way the league is. It's the way fans are nowadays. They want that. They want that initial kind of reaction, and it's it's difficult for us. And that's why I actually like doing this show as well. Is obviously we do our post game, and you get that kind of raw reaction of how we're feeling at the time. But also, I like to do this to where we can spend the twenty four hours actually going back and seeing what has happened in the game because like i said sometimes as you're watching it's difficult to see everything because what you're so focused on is what what player are are they going to make here that you actually don't have time to go back and think of what went right what went wrong in real time so i think that is important for people to see though it's important to see your first reactions on stuff but then after a while look back over it and look at it in an analytical mind and say, okay, what have they, what have they done right? What have they done wrong? And that's why I think it would be better if they just released the all 22 instantly. So then you can kind of do it a a day after rather than having to wait till Wednesday or Thursday. Um, But look, it's one of those that I think for us as fans and for us on this channel, we've always kind of put it out there that there's never, it's, we are never going to BS anybody on here. We're going to give our honest reaction to stuff. And then when you have time to look over stuff, kind of give your analysis on what you can see. Because on the day of the game, you're giving your analysis on what happened in the game, but you're not really able to analyze play by play until you actually go back and look at what happened and can kind of pause the play and kind of going back and see what is the quarterback looking at? What has he not seen? Is a receiver doing his job here? And we again, even with the all 22, and I've said this to people, people are guessing as well, right? So you can see a receiver that's come open. You can see kind of some of the blocks in here and there. And it's kind of the, I like to call it the Anthony Miller syndrome. Those times when Anthony Miller was wide open. But the problem is he was wide open in the wrong area of the fields of where the play was supposed to be. And at the end of the day, unless you were in those meeting rooms, you don't know that. And we only found out some of that because the coaches were telling us that, okay, yeah, 
he's getting open, but like he's five yards in the wrong place. Five yards in the wrong place leads to an interception. So there's things like that that kind of come around. And look, Seth, I'm going to let you kind of finish up here in terms of talking about talking about this as well in terms of just a reaction from the fans. And like I said, people just need to relax and enjoy victory. Nope, tear it all down. No, um, okay. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, you know, there, there's always going to be those those raw emotional reactions because the things that stick with you during a game and immediately after are those big glaring things that you know that that hit you to the core. And then when you you know take a second, breathe, and look at everything. But I I, I think you know, especially the collective here, you know, we've all been pretty even tempered, you know you can be critical while still feeling positive. Like being critical is, is how you correct mistakes and grow. You know, nobody, you know, makes growth and stuff like that without making mistakes and without being critical of what they're doing. Cause then you, you know how to, you know, in, improve the situation, you know how to move forward, you know how to like, okay, next time this happens, what do we do? You know, if you don't criticize anything and everything's good and be you and all those things, well, then you get the past few years that we had. You know, when, oh, you know, it's, uh, it's great. It's great. Don't worry about it. We just need to get to, you know, 202 and, and 303 level of this passing game. You need to be critical on some stuff. And, and it's good that our quarterback is taking responsibility and saying, you know, like I played like trash, you know, good. Now grab your tablet and, and go see what you did wrong. And then in practice this next week, take all the criticism, the actual criticism, not just the hate comments. I think we need to find a line between criticism and bashing because it seems like everybody just has blurred the lines. Like you can say, yeah, his read, he went through his progression really bad there. Or you can say, well, he just sucked on that play. Like they can kind of mean the same thing, but the intent behind it is completely different. And, and I think that's, you know, a bulk of the fans, you know, are looking at it as a, it's three you know three games into the season. It's just the ones on Twitter with the loudest voice are either super positive or super negative. It's you're kind of filtered to see that, and it's like that in every aspect of life. You know, you're gonna hear the two people screaming at the top of their lungs in a room full of twenty people. Yeah, it's it's interesting that, and I've always said this: Twitter is it's a it's a crazy. There's some like great people on there, but I think the thing that kind of showed me just how one divided the fan base is, two like how you've people are going to be overly positive or overly negative, is when you put out a tweet that is just full of factual data. So it's literally just statistics, and you're mentioning the different stats, and you will have half of the people yelling on the negative end of things and how if the stat is in a positive way about your team they'll say this that is bs blah blah blah. and then there'll be the people on the positive being like see i told you so this team is so so good or if you put a negative stat you'd be like that's a bs site blah blah they don't they don't know what they're doing and it's look the one thing i would say is you can be critical while also having optimism kind of moving forward and like i said optimism and positivity are not the same things right you don't be positive just for a second being positive you can have optimism but at the same time you can critique things for what you're going to see i think that's the most important thing it's what we try and do here in terms of whether it's 
analyzing players from the draft, analyzing what a team is doing in free agency or with their draft picks. And then when it comes to game day, you have your initial reactions where it's going to be more either negative or positive based on what you've seen. And then after a while, when you actually get to go back and see it and you actually analyze it, that's when the middling conversation happens. And that's why I think it's good that we're able to do this is we're able to talk about this in a way kind of level headedness and where you actually get to go back to it because right now you can still see it on Twitter. It's, it's going to happen all week. I think where people are just constantly going crazy about some of this, like give the team a chance. It's still a young team. They're winning football games. We've seen enough bears teams that can't do that. Like I keep telling people that if you want to, if you want to not celebrate wins just ask your fellow lions fans friends how difficult it is to win football games because my god it took them 12 weeks to win one last year it may take them a a fairly long time to be able to celebrate a win in which they play badly so look again i think it's really important yeah look i think this is perfect and what tony says here everybody wants to be right it's like mock drafts all over again yeah completely agree i think people just want to be right with all their takes and the one thing that you can say is there's things that you can be right about things that you can be wrong about just own it like it's your opinion like at the end of the day most people that are on twitter are not affiliated with any team in the nfl you can like somebody's opinion but at the end of the day it's an opinion and that's what this is as well we're giving our opinion of what we've seen does that make it completely right no because we can be talking about this in terms of I think that Lucas Patrick should have to start at, at center and then suddenly he starts to center against the Giants. He sucks it up and we're like, okay, I was wrong. Maybe Sam Mustafer should have played. And that's what this is all about. Like you're estimating on what you think is best for this football team. And look, I think that's kind of it. And look, I think this was important to do because this has been a, a very divided game where there's a win and you'd be positive, but there was a lot of negatives in there as well. So I think it was important to do this video, but look, Guys, we will be live on Wednesday. We will be having our preview to where we're going to be joined by one of the fan groups from the New York Giants. So they're called, I think it's New York Giants Daily. And then we also have Clay Harbour, who's going to be joining us to talk about the fair side of things. Um, So we'll have both sides there. We'll be going through some of the other games in the NFL this week. I know there's a London game this week as well. We'll be going through some of our picks. We did a little bit of that in our kind of pre-game to the Bears, but we're going to do that a little bit earlier this week so we can kind of talk about some of that stuff. So that's kind of our bumper episode on Wednesday. On Friday, we are going to be beginning our draft talk and, well, more kind of our college football talk. I wanted to keep it a couple of weeks here before we start up on that. So we're going to be doing that, a little bit of a preview on some of the offensive positioning, the offensive position. So I think we're going to focus on quarterback wide receiver and offensive line what we've seen in the first couple of weeks of the college football season and how that pertains to the 2023 nfl draft so if you like draft talk there's going to be videos on that coming and um, probably on like a bi-weekly basis we won't have it every single week because we want to make sure we get as much analysis in there and not just pure opinion where you have statistics that are going to be backing up what we're saying as well so that's going to be there and then also we have our pre-game post game as well this weekend so make sure that you do subscribe if you're not already subscribed if you're listening to us on audio please follow us on 
on Spotify, if you're listening on Spotify, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review. We really appreciate that. It helps us with the analytics on, on Apple. And if you're, again, listening to us here on, on YouTube, please like the video. Again, helps with the YouTube algorithms, get more people listening to the show. means that we can do more for you guys and get you videos that you really want to see as well. Um, so, yeah, look, I it's great to be able to talk about yourself and all and on Seth it's been it's been good it's a calming presence being able to talk about the Bears like 24 hours later and not be kind of crazy and with all this negative um opinion and I hope everybody that's listening has had a, a good time this evening and if you're listening back to this like I said follow these guys over on Twitter follow the show you can follow my personal page I don't really tweet much on that but I, I tweet more on the actual shows one because on my personal one, I'm usually like pissed off watching football or well, soccer. Um, so like, if you if you like things like that and you like me just going absolutely crazy at my own team over there, you can follow me there. But most of the stuff will be at Irish Bear Show. So look, guys, until next time, all we can say is bear down. Bear.